This is what really helps. Bike plus RV plus dog equals 50 states. Episode 10. Juggling Schedules and Planes. listening to what really helps bike plus rv plus dog equals 50 states how a veteran wife and husband team thrived against the odds to make a difference now your host deb lewis aloha all and welcome to episode 10 this episode is juggling schedules and planes now let's hear it from the 50 state cyclist himself my husband Doug Adams. Thanks, darling. This week, we leave Florida, head north towards Atlanta, Georgia, and visit Fort Benning along the route. Sounds simple enough on the surface, but then you have to factor in airplanes, weather conditions, illness, family visits, and distances to see what we had to juggle this week. But we'll get to all that in the podcast. As always, cycling stats for this week for those interested, are 376.94 miles cycled and 11,312 feet climbed. So we're starting with Sunday, 5 December 2010, day 60. Today we're traveling in through Florida still. This happened to be my brother's birthday, so I talk about that and giving him a call. The temps were quite nice on the first day. Sunny, the wind was pretty decent, shoulders were good for Doug, and I was happy as can be from getting fixed at Lazy Days with the black water because I had to dump that the day prior, and in the past, it was a really nasty thing to do. I guess one of the things is uh, that I commented on, you're going to hear my podcast. Now, I did lose my recorder during this week. So I, I, we actually have a longer, I went ahead and put all the ones that I had into the equation for what you'll hear at the end. But it's always nice. Occasionally, I'll be talking about Miss Daisy because she makes, she's a highlight of my day. And in this one, we stayed at a number of veteran parks. And they were actually had, um, what did I say, veteran parks? RV, I said RV, RV parks. <laughs> That's what I meant to say with veterans, Adam. I didn't realize how many veterans would be at the RV parks. So it was one was, of the things that we learned as we went around with the, the family of RVers. Many of them were veterans. And thank goodness for Walmart because Walmart hosted us. Now, we did pay back with going shopping but it was the Walmart parking lots that I got better at. Remember that early, early um, episode where the first night I felt so claustrophobic. And then when you figure it out, I don't know what their policies are today. But back then, we were very grateful to have a place to stop because of you going like 60 miles a day. Right. No, it was very nice. On this particular day, leaving Chiefland, Florida, where they had had the night before a very nice kind of winter parade with horses and pets and all that kind of stuff. And Deborah made it there. Um, 
and we had a very nice place that we were able to stay at, at the RV park. And I turned out, I began to get ill. And so the next three days or so were tough for me on the road. I just wasn't feeling good. Uh, and as you can hear Deborah talk about the temperatures in the extract uh, from her audio blogs, the temperatures in the morning were in the 20s. We're starting, not yet, not the first day of the week, but it after was, that, forget it. It was, it. It well, was cold. I just remember uh, Chief Linda Perry was not necessarily warm. Um, I know that it, that perhaps it says it was in the 60s, but I felt not great. And uh, so, but still had to make our way. So made our way to Perry. And it was a relatively easy ride. Wasn't um, hugely uh, an issue in terms of any of the, as a matter of fact, it was pretty flat. I think my elevation climbed was like 222. So it was a pretty flat day, which is probably good given, you know, what you was, because well, I wasn't feeling all that great. Um so we made it to Perry, and and that was terrific. And Deborah was very happy about all that. And the following morning, that's when it started getting quite cold. It was in the twenties, and and you just don't expect that. I mean, it happens in the South, and apparently more often now. But back then, it was a shock to me. And then having you not feeling well, that was just the added added part of that. Right. So we were heading. What we the reason we went to Perry and then the next day was to Tallahassee because Tallahassee is the capital of Florida, and we wanted to go in and we wanted to stop by and see the um, acting director of the VA, and uh, there in the capital area, uh, the the state veterans office, and so we made our attempt to do that. Uh, I got there reasonably. Well, probably around three or four o'clock, which wasn't terrible, even though I left a little bit after 11. And I guess we had had, um, uh, no, that wasn't that day. So this was just trying to make um, our way there. It was pretty windy. It was pretty cold. So all of that stuff was happening. I don't think we actually connected with anybody. I can't remember that we connected with anybody in the Florida. And part of it was, you know, the time of year and, and all those kinds of things. So uh, it was just um, one of those things uh, as we were coming through. You know, people didn't necessarily know we were coming all the times that we were trying to do this stuff, particularly on this day, because really we had only been out of lazy days for a couple of days. And so the opportunities to set anything up was pretty limited. Yeah. But yeah. apparently we had a good dinner that night. We did. And but before I get there is I talk about the veterans in Florida, because in Florida, there's at that time, there were 1.7 million ones, and they were the largest veteran population as a part of a state just behind California and Texas. And I go into a whole lot of things about uh, in the rest of the audio blog that I did on the days that we were traveling, talking about National Guard challenges, which I happen to know quite a bit about. But you're right, I had forgotten that we'd gone to a place called Giorgio's for dinner um, that night prior. And it was uh, the time I had Tom Tom 
troubles just getting to the restaurant. That's, was, a, that's a name remember for the, the past. Tom Tom? Yeah. I think they're still around. They but. may be, but it was sending me to these roads that didn't exist. I mean, we take it. I did map making way back in the day when I first entered the military, and we certainly have come a long way from there where they said we'd never mapped the world for 200 years. So it was better than nothing, but at that point, I was constantly being rerouted and having issues, which when you're driving an RV and towing a car, that's really really bad and just driving a car can be challenging but we had plans um that i mean sorry we had a server brandon who talked about his plans to cycle and apparently pummeled you with questions about how did you do that since he was going to go to the from the tip of south america all the way back to uh, florida yeah pretty cool we actually ran into a few folks that were um either in the process of doing it or we're planning to do it so that was pretty cool and then we had another walmart stay on day 61 that monday uh so we did more shopping (laughs) 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 they they got that i you know most of the time i just remember it was so nice to go inside and and just be there and around people and and having a choice of stuff you could pick up instead of just what was in the rv but i um I was very happy when we could get to an RV park where I actually could get more cleaned up and and enjoy that, which we were going to do the following day. Now, it stayed cold, and it was in the low 20s the following day as we were leaving Tallahassee and... Heading back into Georgia. Heading back into Georgia. You know, and it was just one of those things where we're going to head back in where, frankly, the focus here is to make it to Fort Benning because uh, that's where we were going to take a day off because Deborah was going to be flying to California. And so this was going to be one of those interesting weeks where we were going to make our way to Fort Benning. I was going to try and connect with um, the PX, similar to what we had done at Fort Bragg, actually. And, you know, it was relatively early on. We were really only on the road now for a couple of, as a matter of fact, the 7th of October to the 7th of December. So day 62, two months on the road, actually and or into the tour and so we were just trying to make our way to Fort Benning it wasn't going to be any particularly exciting day I do remember cycling along the roads um, out of Florida into southwestern Georgia thinking that the it was relatively nice it was relatively um, it was relatively flat until I began to get into some low hills that um, about halfway through and Fortunately, even though the temperatures were really cold, I began to feel better. I remember, I remember hacking and everything as I'm cycling along. And then as I began to make my way to um, where I was going to stop for the day in Colquitt or in that area, there was an intersection I was planning to stop at, that um, I began to actually feel a little bit better. And, and the sun was out, which was nice. So it was really cold, but it was not a bad day in terms of the weather fortunately just cold and so uh, here i'm just tooling along i go well, you, <laughs> that you morning stopped, you we, we left capital right yeah we at tallahassee i just felt compelled to we had the pacific institute out from the seattle west seattle area which is fabulous materials to help people who are really struggling uh, we'd we'd put military members who were having challenges through courses that they'd had i'd been through their course the power in me and it's just wonderful, wonderful organization who donated the materials that I've talked before, music to 
tell you the words that you should be saying to yourself instead of the things that we do say, and also other materials to just help people who are struggling, especially like post-traumatic stress and other other challenges that they might be facing. And I just felt compelled. I need to drop this off at the Capitol building. So I did. Not sure I talked to many people, but I remember the satellite dish didn't collapse that day. So you had, that's why you actually got a little later start. Right, around 11. And and we weren't sure if it was the cold because it was cold. But then I'm driving along and you'll hear my stories about talking about what it's like driving in Iraq compared to the U.S. Um, (laughs) And then just going past acres and acres of cotton fields. So that was, that was very exciting. So but- I, so right. So I remember coming into Colquitt, and it, I've done around sixty-five miles or so. The sun's beginning to, to go down because we're heading north. So that means in December. So that means that the it's actually getting a little. And it's I I am wondering where Deborah was. So I think I called <laughs> her up to find out, and it turned out that she still had another forty to fifty minutes, probably still to go. So I'm looking for a place to to set up somewhere that's kind of in the sun or whatever. And so there's this restaurant that's sitting there, and it's called Moby Dick. And it's kind of outside of town, uh, near where the intersection was that I had initially identified as kind of my stopping place. So I look. I don't see any vehicles around. I kind of do a quick, you know, once around and see what's there. And they had a nice rocking chair on the porch and I said, you know, I could at least sit in the rocking chair. And so I sat in the rocking chair. I, I was able to move it a little bit so that I could get the sun on me. And that made me feel a little bit warm, which was good uh, because it was really cold. And, and then I, you know, I think I talked to Deborah and I was like, nobody's here. I was feeling really bad by then. It was like, man, I should have left earlier. I felt terrible that you were sitting out because I didn't want to get sick. So then... And then you called me later. So then I did call you later. And what had happened was is that I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the door opens. I think I had knocked on it. Nobody was there. At least I'd looked in to see if anybody was there. And all of a sudden somebody pops out. And, um, and I'm apologetic because I'm on their rocking chair. But they're like, they don't care. They're wondering if I wanted to come in I said that would be terrific I'm waiting for my wife she's going to be here in an RV and then they wanted to kind of hear what was going on because I had my gear on you know red white and blue red white and, and blue stuff that and was on and you the, were and definitely a stranger I was a stranger and so they let me in they had just put some coffee on which was wonderful so I had some coffee eventually um, Deborah makes it I'm in the middle of stories about what we've done and all that kind of stuff and uh, and so as it turned out, and maybe this is your part of the story, um, it turns out that the the uh, gal that we were talking to, Rita, Rita, turns out what, her sister? Her sister worked for the newspaper, and she called up, and then the, I guess the editor or whatever came over, Terry Toole, and Terry then... I remember the t- them taking pictures of they us. They took pictures and of the RV. We were, and that. we went inside the RV and, and, mm-hmm. did, an, and did an interview there, and... Yeah, and he talked about the story I thought was cool, and I obviously commented on it in my own audio blog, but, you know, having a grandmother who was an editor there, and and in 1897, she had been running, you know, basically telling people what to do with the paper, which was not normal, and their name, it was the Middleton Liberal, was the paper. Nice. What, of course, I think you mentioned it was anything but where they were at in southwestern Georgia. Yeah. But... Uh, what was interesting was uh, 
So now, so we get to the point, we've had the chance to talk to them and we're like, so I guess we're going to go to wherever we were going to stay. And you had checked earlier and thought that there was something to eat there. Only to find out there wasn't, they had a special function. So it was like, well, we need to eat here. (laughs) Right. And so we decided they had been so nice, so nice to me and so nice to Deborah. So we decided, well, why don't we just eat here? Right. And so we didn't change and went into eat Maybe I put pants on. I can't remember right now. No, well, no, I don't think so because I was still in my outfit too. Right. And so we went in to go eat and it was delicious. And you can hear more about that on the audio blog, I think. And uh, there were folks that, that were coming in. And, and so it was, just, it was just terrific. It was really just great. And then, and then. Well, magic. I just have to say anything in the South that has hush puppies, <laughs> I'm there. And they also had onion rings, and I talk about it in my audio blog, but I don't care. I'm going to talk about food because <laughs> I love the food of the South, and hush puppies are just something special. You really like that stuff, I know. I did, I did. But yes, and then we had a mother whose son was in Afghanistan that they she was sharing the story about them Skyping. I talk about that. And then we found and out. Magic happened. Magic happened. Right, we, because here we are, we've had conversations with folks before and this was a special evening and they had made it very nice and and it was like being welcomed to their family it was and then somebody who had come in to see if they could to find out what was going on came back to see us at our table and said you know we're having this uh, it turns out what was the day december 7th pearl (laughs) harbor day neither of us had Caught and on to no, that. We, we were fact, just I don't even so talk long. about it in my audio blog till the next day because I'm not even thinking about that. That's right. And so we, it turns out it's like, well, holy cow, no kidding. And then we uh, were invited because the Blakely VFW, which is around 20 miles away or so, comes down for their monthly meetings down to the Moby Dick, you know. Uh, and so they were having their Christmas dinner. It turned out their Christmas dinner there at the Moby Dick in their conference room, um, banquet room area, and they invited us in. And of course, we've already eaten, but it was like, well, shoot, of course. And so I remember people asking me probably halfway through the tour, you know, what was the thing I remembered the most? And my answer up until we got to Montana, was always Colquitt. Colquitt. Yeah, that it night. Was, it was really magical. That night in Colquitt. They were so welcoming, nice, appropriate for us to be with them. We were as curious about the veterans that were part of that group because there were some really distinguished veterans that were part of been in wars. And, World War II veterans. Yes. And, and Doug... And then they wanted us to talk. So Doug talked. I talked a little bit. But um, we were in the presence of some very, very special people. So I do have a picture of the group of us that I put on the photo highlights. That's great. I I remember staying. So then it began to break up. We had some dessert, I think. And uh, (laughs) it began to break up. And I remember having the opportunity to talk with a couple of the uh, veterans that were there including um, one who was a World War II veteran. And just being able to express my um, just uh, deep respect for he and his compatriots. And I remember thinking later that that might have been my opportunity to thank my grandfather 
who had served in World War II. He had served in World War I and World War II. And um, he was still alive when I was uh, an, a, a young officer, but I don't know that I actually had ever had the opportunity to actually talk to him about his service and how much I, and, and, and I think I needed to gain a little bit of perspective from my own service to be able to understand what that service meant, what his service meant. And so having the opportunity to talk to these gentlemen really... Mostly gentlemen. It was mostly gentlemen that were there. And their spouses, yeah. Really was special for me, something that I, I just remember. And so uh, this Colquitt will forever be a memory for me. Um, something I will never forget. Yeah, and we had a big glow on us when we left there, and right, we found we our way found to our an way RV down park to the uh, Emerald Lake RV Park, which was very mm-hmm. nice. The it first, was very nice, yeah, but it was but it was late. <laughs> but it was late. But it was <laughs> well, we very had nice. Set up, and it was very nice. So we did get to enjoy it in the morning, mostly. Mostly, yep. And in uh, the next day, we were heading from Colquitt to Raymond's place in Georgia. So, the, the, so Raymond's place is actually not like the name of a town. It's it's an intersection and a, <laughs> and it's a store. A, it's a store <laughs> that's there. And the reason we chose that was I needed to finish so that I could do my monthly um, AUSA or Association U.S. Army Seattle chapter meeting. Our board meeting was that day, and so I needed to be available there um, in time for the meeting, right? I think at three o'clock and then it would be noontime, which is the time that they usually had the meeting on the West Coast. And so I needed to try and get going. I didn't necessarily leave all that early, but I did manage to get there on time, I believe. Um, at, at least my time clock says that I did that. And then I was able to um, have the meeting and then you picked me up. Right, and then the only comment, other comment for that day I put down was the fact that that those rumble strips, I took pictures of it. So you can see, even though the shoulders were wider, they had those rumble uh, strips, which made it kind of difficult for you in negotiating because you you hit one of those wrong. That's not very pretty. Yeah, not very pretty. The other thing that I noted that day, as a matter of fact, was that that was the first day I really had some snow and sleet. And I remember that day. I remember being really cold that day. Now, there were going to be days that were going to be colder, but that was that was a really cold day. And I remember stopping about two and a half hours into it, maybe two hours into it, at a place called Fort Gaines at the McDonald's there and walking in Fort Gaines and having these um, folks look at me like I was absolutely nuts. Because um, here I am with a bicycle in my red, white, and blue gear, um, you know, and I'm very happy to be inside this warm place. And it was, uh, they were very nice, obviously. And I was able to get a coffee and probably a cherry pie or something when they had them. Uh, and, and then I needed to finish up. And then I finished up from there another hour or so to go. And but that was your first snow. That was, was that the really snow? the first time that we had snow and sleet along this entire route. It wouldn't be the last. Oh, I thought it was Colquitt kind of had a little bit. No, I don't remember Colquitt having it, actually. It was just cold. This one, actually, we left from the intersection near the, or from the Obi Dick itself, and the next morning, yep. and uh, I don't think anybody was there. Otherwise, you would have said hi. I remember not being able to say hi to anybody because I don't think anybody was there yet. It was early. It was early-ish, and... 
and then I started making my way and we got to, but through Fort Gaines, I remember that, um, being inside and talking to folks and um, briefly and they're like, what are you doing? In their nice uh, Georgia Southern drawl. And that night we were going to stay at Fort Benning. So I had to get over to Fort Benning because I was getting ready to fly the following day. I think you actually went to Fort Benning and then came and picked me up. Yeah, I'm I sure. I that's did. what you did. And so you went there and then you came and picked me up at Raymond's place after I'd had my meeting and then brought me back. And so that was all, that was all pretty cool. We were trying to make things happen, all that kind of stuff. And then the next three days were going to be very interesting for you, weren't they? Hmm. Yeah, because once we got set up at Fort Benning, you were on your own again. Well, you had to drop me off the next morning. Mm-hmm. Right. So we and you had done- to travel from Raymond's place to get to Benning. Again. Right. So you had to drop me back off at Raymond's place, and then you were going to take off from there and go directly to Atlanta, which is, and then leave the car there. Yes. And so I only had the, the only vehicle I had besides my bike, obviously, <laughs> the was RV. the RV. But that turned out to be okay. We yeah. figured that out. And, and I can't remember if, if uh, you had made contact with the folks at um, the Fort Benning RV, um, PX or not, because, um, but we'll get to that in, in a second. So on the way. I so take you back to Merriman's place. You take and me back I, to Merriman's place. And then I drive straight to the airport. Right, but you had already you had called somebody. I think you didn't stop there, but you called and talked to the folks in the paper there at Ufala. Yes, and so I go across the bridge because you're I'm I'm crossing the um, Chattahoochee River, and I'm actually into Alabama, which was a new state for us. And even though we had gone into Alabama to get to the Fort Benning RV Park, which was actually in Alabama, not Georgia. Um, it was the first time I was actually cycling into it. So that's that's why we counted it as the first time I was going in on the 9th of December, day 64. And so I end up going across, and this is a very lovely, it was cold, not as cold as it had been, fortunately, the day before. Um, and But it was a lovely day, and I remember stopping at this house, and it turned out to be the offices. And so that was all terrific, actually. And so... Um, all of that uh, really, uh, I, I did. I gave an interview about what we were doing. It was very nice. I don't actually know if they ever published anything. I don't think we actually ever were able to find I'm out. I'm pretty sure that they did. Okay. I, I just, I have to go back and look through my notes. Some of the, sadly, some of the papers, unlike today where they've got a record of everything, they didn't. They had a link, and then it was no longer active. So. I mean, it's not like it's that long ago. I mean, it's 2010, yeah, it's 10, but still. 11 years. <laughs> 10 years ago. Exactly. Um, um, so I so I do that, and then I make my way up along the western side of the Chattahoochee River in Alabama up to where the RV is located. And I get there reasonably good time. So all of that worked out okay. And you... Um, I'm on my plane, and I'm getting picked up by our dear friend Bill Bellows, who was the one who recommended I be the keynote speaker at this event. I He linked me up with a gal named Deb Belkus. We call her CEO Deb, and I'm Colonel Deb. And uh, But Bill took me out to dinner. We had a grand time. He's he's one of our best champions. He works Deming Institute philosophy along with a lot of others um, in, in helping organizations really think about how they approach the tasks that they do so that they can actually get more done. And that's something that's desperately needed in corporations. I mean, he's proven how things 
um, in in working, you can get a hundred percent, but it takes a very special process to to get there, and you have to understand some things. But he he picked us up, picked me up, and took care of me, and and then brought me. I'm sure the next day to the event where I was able to talk. But my sad event here was I did lose my recorder, as I mentioned, which was like my baby. Where where did it go? I don't know. I probably lost it on the plane. Yeah, I just don't remember. It's possible. But Fortunately you had um offloaded everything. You'd, I had, you had saved everything. I had it. before I departed I'd taken luckily the day sixty three off and, right. and and done that. But there we go. And so you don't cycle, you go into So on so on Friday the ninth, I'm not cycling that day. Uh Deborah's gonna be t- talking to you about what she was doing. Um, I instead take the RV to the post exchange there at Fort Benning, and they have and they set me up right outside. It's terrific pictures. I'm probably in the um, in the uh, visual montage that you do, right? And so, but uh, this was such a great day. First, the weather was was decent. It was a nice day, and they set me up with the red, white, and blue. I mean, this bus, of course, just. The shouts. RV is like right in the front and right. people would come by and, and they, talk. And so I, I let people come in. It was an opportunity for me to be able to say thanks to folks because Fort Benning's a you know, the, the home of the infantry, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of folks that had been deployed a number of times. And so we chatted about what they were doing. Um, I ch- We chatted about cycling because there was folks that would come up and want to know what we were doing. And we told them and they were, they were interested in that as well, which was a really great thing for me to hear about their interest in what we were doing as well when I think about it. And so it was just really a good day to and be able to And what's really, do that. really fun to talk about now is Melissa Hoffman, who rode with you in Alaska, is now stationed at Fort Benning, and she's a full colonel now. That's right. Yep. That's right. And so there's a couple of pictures. I don't know if they're in the montage, but I had the opportunity to present a couple of coins to the folks there at the PX. This becomes a regular routine for us as we actually are in on military bases, particularly Army and Air Force bases, where we really began to search out the folks at the exchanges uh, because it turns out that they were also deploying during this time period. And we began to learn more and more about the work that the folks there were doing and taking care of our soldiers. Initially, I think we saw it as an opportunity to visit with soldiers. And then we more and more got a chance to actually um, connect with the folks that actually worked in the exchange service and so the exchange system. So this was one of those opportunities. It was building as we were moving along. It was really, it was terrific. And in the meantime, I get to meet really Deb Belkus and learn what an extraordinary woman she is. She had been working in the Fortune 200 companies and had looked around and said, there's no women. She went in through the IT world side of it, and there were just no women in the C-suite. So she started a business women rising organization that was going to train women, and she was training them in order to be successful at all levels of corporations so they have a chance to progress and and fill those seats and, and be contributing members of those organizations in ways that they hadn't before. And this was her winter um, exchange where she brought the women who had been through the program and asked, had asked me to be, she had a number of speakers and she asked me to be the keynote. 
And I found out, like I said, that I really love this woman. I need to get to know her. And in the future, when we go back to California, she helps us do some months, very special months things. Months later. Months later. But I'm we, going to, by the way, take complete credit for you actually doing this. You. I wasn't necessarily going to go because I felt that it would be too much of the scheduling and planes and, and all the other stuff. how are we going to figure this all out? And we and you figured it out. by myself. Kind of like we figured it out with my going to my parents my husband said, you know what, it's a bonus that I'm on the trip with you <laughs> and that we can figure this out. We'll make it work. And we did. We it, did. It and was and not easy but in juggling the things, but bless your heart. We, we made it work. And you only took one day off, even though it was a... Three, it well, it turned out that those that uh, we did this uh, we did this a few times. It it turned out that that was what we would do, right? You would leave, you would take me wherever I was going, you would leave. I would then preposition the RV, and then whatever. you could get there, That's and, right? And yep. then or you would like you did with my parents, you would take your backpack thing, and you'd stay overnight in some hotel, right? But um, yeah, and then so the next day, the next day, the tenth of December which is a Saturday, yep. day 66. Which is the last of this week. And uh, we're, and we're, you, I am going to go on a long ride. It wouldn't be my longest ride because uh, there would be um, a few other long rides. But this was close to, I think the first day was 92 miles. This, this was 91 miles I did. And I had not intended on doing that. But the wet, this was one of those things where... The weather was changing. The weather was changing, and it was clear that the next day was going to be a... Miserable. That's that's an understatement. And so, as a result, I said, you know what? I need to put as many miles into today as I possibly can. And I knew that you were going to be picking me up wherever I was at. And part of it was, I needed to try and get that information to you. Um, as well. And so I think I told you what my plan was. And, and fortunately, it all worked out. You were able to, to come in fine and pick me up. And, and all that worked out. But this was actually for me from the cycling perspective, one I had to get over from where the RV was over across the river again into Fort Benning. Um, I remember cycling through Fort Benning and realizing that we had some friends that had been there. I don't, and maybe some that were still there now, um, that had been in charge of the uh, the post and the the chief of the infantry and all those kinds of things. And then I went through uh, Columbus, and from there to, uh, and then from there to heading up towards Atlanta um, to Sonoya, Georgia. And this was. This was hilly country. I did 4,000 feet of elevation in the 91 miles, which was similar to the um, kind of the Adirondacks. And I had, Connecticut was the most I had done. So here we are in, you know, in central, southwest to central Georgia. And that's when I began to, you know, this is where the hills were for this as I was heading up. So I did. You're some, thinking this is some kind of just getting tough, not was, just the distance. But it, no, but it was actually. Pretty. It was pretty. I remember cycling through, and I had, I had crossed three thousand miles the few days before, and on this particular day, I actually crossed a hundred thousand feet of elevation climbed in the tour, uh, and so all of that was, was terrific. And I just remember cycling through some very nice roads, you know, the sun kind of hitting itself through the trees. So I don't know if it's dappling, you know, kind of the sun dapples, I guess. 
through the trees as I'm making my way. And I come to this just lovely little town of Sonoya, find a, a coffee house to kind of perch myself. And I stay there for a little while until you're able to pick me up. But nobody wanted to kick me out. I, I probably had a couple things to eat in addition to um, probably more coffee than I can remember eat, drinking. Yeah, I remember it was dark when I got to you. You, It was dark when you got to me. And we were still 90 miles away from... We still had to drive all the way back to, to Benny. Back. Exactly. Um, but that was uh, that was terrific, and I guess you probably had left that morning to be able to make it back in the afternoon. So your day before was a big day, and then you got on the plane pretty early to be able to get back. And then we finished up by our last night at we were Fort Benning. Exhausted, probably so. <laughs> and then we ready we for knew, next week. We knew that we were going to have a little bit of a break, and so that was that was all terrific. I think we were. That's why we were able to push it. Right. And so I guess right now we're going to, you go ahead and finish with that. Yeah, I think so. I think, I that think the, we're ready to finish it. It was an are. amazing week and we got through it. Yeah. <laughs> Despite we did. all the juggling. Exactly. It was a, it was terrific. I, I can't say enough about um, that particular day of cycling. It was, it, it was just a really spectacular day of cycling. And when you hear what the next day is during our next um, podcast, you'll understand just the difference in the days. It was, it was just a diametrical. Ch- it was just incredible what the difference was but between we'll the two days. But we will, <laughs> and so we'll end this particular podcast with an extract of the commentary that Deborah recorded during this week. Today is day sixty. 5 December, Sunday, it's my brother's birthday, so I'm going to be calling Michael up shortly, and uh, look forward to that. He's four years older than I am, and it's a gorgeous day, it's probably in the 60s, maybe a little higher because it said 60 this morning, maybe, but not much, but it's sunny, it's gorgeous driving north from a place called Chiefland and we're going to be in Perry tonight. That's another 66 miles. Uh, hopefully the wind, it seems the wind's better today for Doug. Hopefully he has an excellent ride today. He's had some tough ones lately. The shoulder's pretty generous so I'm thinking it should be pretty good. I'm driving the same route that he did much earlier. I don't think I'll pass him, though. I suspect he'll be done before I do. I'm thrilled after our Lazy Days um, visit near Tampa and Sefner, where they fixed, um, well, they changed out my valves, so now they clearly open close. It sounded good this morning. Um, I haven't, I didn't have a leak from last time, so I'm pleased with that to get three, four inches every day in there. That was just disgusting. Um, and now it's just so much easier. I was able to do it fairly quickly. Some interest in the camps um, and, and about what we're doing in our tour. Lots of veterans in these uh, parks. 
so that's an untapped resource that we really haven't um, gotten into and I have to think about that in the future but I'm driving on 27 1998 uh, all forms of nine which is uh, another number that I like I like three one and nine okay, this morning gave Doug a nice breakfast felt much better this time I was able to give him toast and eggs and uh, oatmeal and coffee and um, juice, orange juice. So very, very nice to be able to give him a full breakfast, get him out. He was a little bit later than what he wanted to, and I think if the weather holds, he'll be okay. He uh, likes to get out between 10 and 10.30. I think it was right around 10.30 that he got out. So we'll just have to check on him. And today I just... I don't know. Just feel kind of relaxed. Felt like I had my routine back. Daisy's certainly very happy that we're in our RV again and we're traveling. I think we get back to a normal routine. She's so good. Can't uh, can't be more thankful to have such a great dog with me as my security and and my friend. She's sleeping now. Doug says I hit a home run with the Snuggie, and I would have to agree. The Snuggie has just been fabulous. It's a new bed, and she just lays in it, and it's really good with her old bones that uh, she can lay on it, and it doesn't apply too much pressure to her joints, so she's not all stiff like she often was when she was laying just on the ground or on her blanket. So I'm real thrilled with that. I think that's about all that I want to talk about. I think I better call my brother. So there you go. Perry's 58 miles from where I'm at. I'll be there hopefully soon. Today is day 61, 6 December. It is a Monday. And we are driving from Perry, Florida to Tallahassee. And we may not be able to meet with the general who is their uh, acting director. But Doug is already well on his way. It's about, um, say, 2.45. I still have another 30 miles to go. And for the first time, my engine came on. It was kind of loud when I started off. And then it says, change engine oil, which is disturbing on a number of levels. One that we didn't change it too long ago. Anyway, we're going to continue on. It's a beautiful day but very cold it may have even gone down to 21 or maybe that's tonight but 27 it was supposed to go down to and we are in Florida so it's a little surprising not unexpected for a winter season but one this early in the season most certainly and I'm on a very straight roads has decent shoulders for Doug so I want to thank these this stretch of highway this is 27 um, it's been very good for Doug in that regard. Just the wind. He just always seems to have the wind in his face, not in his back. So another windy day today. I know he's having a little challenge there. They're having a transition to a new governor. The governor who has not had any experience, I guess, in uh, government leadership. So it's a little bit more challenging one. So we may or may not be able to get into meet the acting director of the Veterans Affairs here. 
so I'll be driving forward. I spent hours trying to get a single blog on the internet. I'm learning more every day about what that looks like and trying to make sure that I cut and paste it as opposed to do it brand new and then lose it, as I did several times. Always frustrating. You know better and you just say, oh, I'll just do it quickly and it won't matter. And of course you do something and then next thing you know, you're out of that window and your data is lost. So here we are um, going in Jefferson County, Lamont, Florida is what I'm passing through. It says I have 25 miles to go and I will see Doug and we look forward to meeting with the folks who handle the state of Florida. Apparently they're number three in the country with the most veteran population behind California and Texas, 1.7 million, and really their manning for it is unbelievably low. They have many more active duty, as I understand, than Washington State, and their um, authorized level is perhaps 100 full-time personnel. I don't know what they're able to augment that with, but can't be that much. What people don't know is they have literally um, one-tenth the time that the active duty does in order to meet all the same standards. And so there's so much on the plate and active duty struggles to maintain the mandatory requirements of training and other things that they have to do. And then you come across uh, each of these states as I had when I became the inspector general to Washington state. Um, you come into a situation where your workload is enormous. It's not just a little bit more, it's huge. And yet, um, these commands not only deal with the planning, but they are deploying on a regular basis. And they don't have personnel. They're full-time people. They don't have that many full-time people. And here they have like 100. And I'm convinced they're probably on the same kind of deployment schedule. Our brigades deploy twice, but our smaller units deploy all the time. And so for the National Guard, most certainly, um, you need to have the appropriate level of support to make sure that they're getting what they need to be successful, not only in battle and in harm's way, but when they come home and they transition so that it's not a desperate situation that you can ease that. And Washington State, I'm happy to say, has been an integral player in this because they unite the business community with the civilian community, with the, that's the local leadership of the civilians, plus the individual citizens, along with the state veterans affairs led by John Lee and, and Alfie Alvarado Romero. And, and they are amazing in how they get things accomplished because they work together and, and they understand that many of the situations they find are not as it might first appear. There's not an easy solution, but working together, they're able to come up with some really creative and beneficial ways in order to make things better for our military members and their families and those who uh, get out of the military. And so I am looking forward to passing on any information I can about Washington State, but also to hear the other things that are going on. It seems like 
magnify even what Washington State's dealing with. Now, Washington State, just as Florida, deals also with numerous emergencies. I think we're on 44 years with consecutive presidential declarations of disasters in Washington State. While maybe that isn't true for every year in Florida, we certainly can count the, the different hurricanes that have come through that are just incredible disasters here that require people to support. And they make it happen, but it's usually through the people. Fabulous people that they have that is just incredible in their support and talent and, and passion to, to serve others, serve their community. And I'm just not sure that if the individual community members were as aware of, of how tough it is to support this, this state or any state, uh, but especially these large states like uh, Florida. I just, uh, it, they're expected to do everything. And, and I think that the American people, and especially those in each state, they just knew a little bit more. I had to, I, although I served with National Guard in the past, and they worked for me in Iraq when we deployed, that confirmed what I already knew, that the people in the National Guard are just amazing, just tremendous leaders, and they have the same issues that we have personnel-wise, um, but magnify it because of the lack of time and the ability to coordinate consecutively. I don't know about you, but every time I have a project, if I have to stop a project and start it back up, you lose more than just the time and space in between. You have the startup ending and, and transitions and people change out. And they're required to rotate pretty much, just like the active duty. And so it does make it, doesn't make it impossible. But if you understand how difficult it is from the get-go, then your processes and your decision-making can be facilitated in order to make the better outcomes possible. And if you fail to understand that, you might put unreasonable demands and then things break because there just isn't that flex, there isn't that extra ability. Ended up having a phone call with my father and went from there and hopefully uh, most of this recorded, but we, we, um, anyway, I will have to get back to it. I'm at the Walmart, and Doug is at his location trying to link up with folks, so I'm going to try to get him and do this quickly. Day 62, 7 December. It started off fairly well. It was cold, really cold. I mean, it could have gotten down in the 21 degrees. We were in Tallahassee. We stayed overnight at a Walmart. Um, it was very convenient to where we needed to be and um, worked out fine. Worked out. Plus we did shopping. You know, we did shopping two times. Probably spent another hundred dollars there. We seem to drop at least a hundred dollars or more when we go to Walmart. So it's actually a pretty smart policy for them. And we parked pretty far away um, in a corner area. So headed out and, and I decided after dropping Doug off, he got a little later start because we had the first issue with our Weingart satellite dish, which didn't collapse. So there's a, thankfully, an emergency procedure that Doug did that allowed us to stow it. 
but that hadn't happened. Could be the cold, could be the angle, I don't know. Um, but that took time in the morning. So he got a pretty late start riding. And now I decided to go to the Capitol building with having 1.7 million veterans and so few FTEs, I mean, I had to drop off the Pacific Institute materials. I just felt compelled to do that, well, simply because it sounded much like my job when I joined the IG shop and got help through Mary Forbes, who recommended me go get that training. When you're pretty buried and having to take your performance to a new level, even if you're pretty good, you know, you got to take yourself to a new level. Um, anyway, I just felt compelled that if it might help them, then I was going to drop it off for them. And I didn't get a chance to personally talk to anyone, but thankfully I either texted or I had a um, phone call discussion with their representative who works out of the office at the Capitol. It's a pretty neat Capitol, and I took a picture of the dolphins that were in front of it. I like that a lot. Anyway, I was, uh, as I was going up there, it was so much fun when you have a big crowd of people in an elevator and they were all laughing and cheering. I have absolutely no idea about what, but sure is contagious. You just have to smile when you see something like that. And now I'm trying to catch up with Doug. You know, part of me says, geez, why did I do drop off the material? So that was Doug on the phone and I have, um, 37 miles to get to him, maybe maybe less, maybe more, but about 40 miles, I guess. And um, he's going to be outside, and the sun's going down. These are one of, for me, stressful in that I don't want him to get any more chilled than he already has been. It was a pretty brisk day, like I said, 21 degrees, 20, in the low 20s, definitely. And. Um, Daisy has been fabulous. I even took her with me in the car to the Capitol. She doesn't get to do that as much anymore, but she was excited to go and just slept in the car. So it worked out fine. Um, anyway, I'm going to start focusing on this. I'm going to be leaving soon to go to the Atlanta airport. I guess tomorrow after tomorrow night, not tomorrow, but the next day I'll be catching an airplane. And, uh, or maybe it's tomorrow. I <laughs> remember. Uh, let's see. Well, anyway. Um, well, tomorrow we're going to Benning. Now we're going to drop it off, pick Doug up, and then I think the next day drop him off, and then I go to the airport. So two days. So I have some ideas. Yeah, it's a wonderful conference that I'm going to. I'm so grateful to the folks organizing it, Deb Belks and um, also Bill Bellows, who's going to pick me up at LA airport, LAX airport. Um, really excited to see them and to be able to talk to folks. As you know, in this, I'm talking one-on-one, -on -one, but this is not in groups. And I am so used to talking in groups and sharing things and learning from them. So I feel a little deprived in that way, but not really. I mean, I, the, I wouldn't change the interactions that we've had with folks. Been some fabulous ones. Really, really strong, important 
things. Would love to do much more, but every little bit helps and keep working on trying to make that happen. So I think I'll sign off. It's a chilly day in Florida and I'll be in Georgia soon. Um, see you within the hour. So looking forward to that. And we also have a RV site, which uh, Passport America is what we finally joined. We joined a very expensive one, which was a waste of money. It's about $800, $900 can be, and that's only good if you're in Washington State. But it gave us coast-to-coast bookings. Maybe that'll come to fruition when we go west coast, but right now it's been pretty worthless for our needs. But Passport America just signed up, $44, and I think uh, in three sites we've already saved the money that we put into it, and the rest will be even better. So, looking forward to it. Most of this driving is between towns that are pretty remote and not very big to begin with. Tallahassee was big, but the rest of these are not going to be so big. Uh, it's a lovely part of America. I really do enjoy seeing America and, and comparing that to when I was in Iraq where you couldn't drive. I mean, it's just, it's just something. I always feel a little queasy because I remember those times driving these kind of highways, which were pretty open and um, knowing that how difficult this can be. So, you know, we can't guarantee your freedoms if you lost the security of your highways. We're talking, things happen, but you don't have bandits that hijack your materials and and, uh, kill you and create security stops so that you're going to get killed when you come to them. You never know who's in charge of the security stop. That's what it's like in these other countries. To be able to drive so freely in America, it's just amazing and not to be taken for granted. And when we um, were at dinner last night, we had an interesting place, Giorgio's. Um, My tom-tom has not been doing as well in this part of the country. It's got some really big corks in it as it sends me in a semicircle to try to go to this restaurant, which took me down roads that didn't exist. Anyway, it was, uh, once we got there, we had a lovely dinner and and, um, Brandon was our server. And we provided our card to the owner who I don't think really understood what to do with it. But the uh, Brandon, who was our server, is gonna go on his own adventure. He's going to leave in April and he's going to go from the southern tip of South America on a bicycle all the way up to Florida. So we wish him well in that. He was pump and dug full of questions. It was really exciting to see. And uh, Brandon's got youth going for him. Younger people can put up with hardships a bit more than us oldsters, which not too old, but still your body will rebel. And we had enjoyed his freshness and interest. So anyway. Yeah, didn't think I had anything else, but I'll sign off now. Never know who you're going to meet at a restaurant. Just got to open up. And the other restaurant the night before said strangers are just walk in strangers and leave as friends. And I believe that. And there are many people who don't, but that's what I believe. And it makes it fun. 
to meet people. It really does. Just puts a whole new light on it. They could be right that you shouldn't trust anyone, but what if they're wrong? What if there's someone incredible that you're going to pass up because you're too suspicious in order to ask them a question and find out about who they are and what they're doing? I uh, think it's well worth the risk. Day 63, 8 December, and I didn't mention in the tape yesterday, but um, it was Pearl Harbor Day when we entered the war because Japan attacked Hawaii, Pearl Harbor. And um, we had the most amazing evening. Here's how a set of seemingly um, independent actions work together in order to make a magical moment. So, we started off. Doug wasn't going to stop where he said he was going to stop. He just at midnight the night before picked the intersection and just upon arrival picked to stand outside the Moby Dick restaurant in um, Colquitt before we went to the RV park. And Rita, who works there, was so kind. She saw him sitting out there not knowing that anyone was actually at the restaurant. She called him in. She just put a fresh pot of coffee on. How nice is that when you're cold? And, um, and he waited there. And then I arrived within the hour and spoke to the RV park um, after we got his bike settled and had pictures because he'd been talking. Everybody was excited to see us. And that was so wonderful. And Rita called her sister, who works with the paper, who contacted Terry Toole, who uh, writes for the paper. He's the editor and, and uh, doing a lot of work at the paper and started it because his grandmother, I mean, here's the thing, his grandmother in, I think he said 1897 was the editor of their paper. And um, <laughs> before women were allowed to do such things, she said he told me they she was giving advice to the guys before it was okay to do that, and um, formally as part of the paper. And so, um, and the last part of the name is uh, is liberal, and they say it's only a name. Funny in the in the uh, article, it's a Middleton. Uh, liberal. And um, Terry uh, interviewed us. Lots of pictures were taken before and after that. And then when I contacted the RV shop when we were considering eating there, because people recommended that we need to eat there, we uh, I called the Emerald RV Park and they were having a holiday party so they weren't having their normal buffet that they have at, at their park. So all signs pointed, you need to eat here. So we sat down to eat, and they had some of the favorite things that I love. They got hush puppies, uh, onion rings that were just unbelievably crispy, and um, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, they kind of fall apart when you bite into them. They're not chewy, uh, just great. And I wanted a grilled cheese because, because in an RV, you don't often get a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, I could do it on the stove, but I just haven't been using my uh, range at all. And the other, I need to do that. I need to think about that. And then um, Doug had um, 
mahi-mahi, which of course Hawaiian, and it was excellent, with baked potato and other things. And we just had a terrific time. And then, turns out, there was a meeting going on, a holiday party going on at the Moby Dick, and who was that? That was the Blakely VFW, uh, which is about 19 miles north. They all had decided to do that. I should say in their long-term planning, they decided to host their Christmas um, once a month meeting at, at uh, Moby Dick to our good fortune and they invited us to come sit with them. Such gracious hosts and we could not be happier joining such a fine group of veterans and their spouses and um, they allowed us to say a few words, Doug first and then me and it was just perfect. It was a perfect evening. They were just lovely. Um, they did a pledge of allegiance to the flag. They had a prayer, which was spectacular. Just perfect, perfect, perfect. And um, we so enjoyed our time with them. And then they, they even paid for our meals. They wouldn't refuse to have us pay for it. And then the, the actually the restaurant, they wanted to, you know, they said, we're, you know, it's on the house. It was, it, it, it energized us. That's what it did. It energized us. It made us feel that what we were doing was worthwhile, that um, working with the veterans and encouraging them to find other ways too to engage those who aren't familiar with the military. Um, and even those who weren't part of the VFW came up to me it came up to us, um, a mother and her daughter, whose son is in Iraq, and she showed proudly showed us pictures of her son in Iraq. I mean, I'm sorry, in Afghanistan, and um, they're able to Skype. I mean, the ability to have that service, thanks to the Skype folks who created that, what a powerful, powerful um, means it is to for people long distance across the world to contact their nine hours difference. So they have to compute that into their um, timetable when they're talking to each other. But his sister, um, who's just turning 13, she what a, she's just adorable. And uh, when he came home from his two weeks R and R, surprised his mom at work, where the boss, everybody got into it. This is where you just love it. Got into it, and uh, she was called into the conference room. Thought that was pretty strange. Um, went to the conference room and was surprised and then he also went to her to his sister's school to surprise her um, just have to say we're passing all sorts of um, cotton fields I just love it I just love it I never you know for those who aren't from the south you come and you see these acres and acres and acres of cotton a natural fiber uh, it's readily available there for us to use it's uh, as eco as you can go and what a wonderful, wonderful thing uh, it is. It was really cold last night. It was in low 20s here in Colquitt. And um, we stayed at the Emerald Lake, as we said, came in late. Everybody was gracious, made sure we had our parking place and uh, had all the services that we needed to take care of for the evening. And um, left pretty early this morning, not early enough for Doug. He's got a three o'clock meeting he's got to get to. Uh, so started about 1040. Wanted to get started about 10 o'clock so he could make his meeting. 
so uh, we'll just have to play it by ear. I'm going to, my task today is to take the RV, we packed it up where I dropped him off again at Moby Dick Restaurant where he finished yesterday, and um, my task is to take it all the way to Benning and then come to get him about 40 miles south of Benning, which is where he's going to finish up. And I suspect I will try to find him where he is by 3 o'clock uh, so he can be in a warm car to talk to people and then continue his way if that's what happens. Otherwise, he just does a longer distance uh, the following day when I drop him off um, and I head to the airport in Atlanta. Today is overcast. That's unusual for us. It's been sunny every day. Uh, like I said, pretty doggone cold for us. Uh, use some of the features in the RV. There's a system heat which keeps the inside compartments warm in the RV so they don't freeze up. Uh, didn't Did all the water stuff last night so that uh, we wouldn't have that task early this morning. And uh, on your, I'm on my way. And it's just a great day. I mean, last night and then being reminded that it was uh, December 7th meant something. I'm passing, oh, by the way, miniature ponies um, down the countryside. There's four forested area on either side, large four-lane uh, highway, uh, two on each side, and um, pretty, pretty uh, sparsely traveled by cars. But just a beautiful part of the country. I will wager that Doug takes pictures of the miniature ponies when he goes by, but I'm not certain, but I would guess he will. They're just too cute. And um, I just say our time in Georgia, thank you for the wider shoulders. The only challenge that we have for bikers is that most, a lot of the shoulder is rumble strip. Um, that's great for vehicles that may stray off the road, but not so bike friendly gives the appearance you've got these wide shoulders but like I said a lot of it is uh, rumble strip so it makes it difficult for someone who's cycling to be able to use the shoulder um, because of that and uh, anyway I'm just thrilled to be here and it's uh, day 63 and soon, day 68, we'll all have 300 more days after that. So five more days, we have 300 days after that. So I'll sign off here unless something else happens today. But we are so grateful for the um, citizens of Colquitt and Blakely. What a fabulous group inviting us. And, and I think interested in what we had to share that um, would help them in their future thinking how they do things. One can only hope, but at a minimum, our presence and their presence was so meaningful, and I think we give presence a little short shrift that sometimes that's the best thing that you can offer. And uh, that particular group goes to the Veterans Hospital, they go to all sorts of things, and I just hope that citizens around the country will pay attention to those homes and those veterans service uh, organizations and veteran support organizations that are out there and perhaps they can lend a helping hand. You don't have to be in the military in order to do that. And, and children and young adults and um, more senior folks who wanted to be, we meet people all the time who 
may have wanted to be in the military but couldn't for one reason or another and they they sometimes feel cheated about that but you find out very quickly that those who felt cheated have done so much to serve others they still don't think it's enough but I, I want them to know it's enough you serve others you're doing great service to this nation and uh, a lot of people talk about mandatory service for every uh, person in the country and I'd say that's something to consider. We need helping hands. We can't necessarily afford all that we have. And until, I hope we don't have to wait until a war occurs that's on our grounds for us to work together better as we did in these world wars where everybody had, everybody was affected by it and everybody pulled together. Why do we have to have a war to do that? Why can't we have that spark that says, if you really want a better world for our children and, and the seven generations that follow us and, and further than that, then what has to happen to change that normal? We need a new normal because ripping people apart and being absolutely obsessed with um, famous people are really not even famous people now. Now we have the reality folks who are famous people who, who are feel like a fish out of water when they get this publicity, when it suddenly comes true, for the most part, few can translate that into success, but, you know, they're just, most people are just ordinary people who may be put in extraordinary circumstances, and um, they're gifts. Each of you and each of us have gifts. Be willing to share and, and be happy that you have something. Think about those things that you love to do and and contribute in that way. It, I used to think in early in my career in the military that I had to be a leader in a particular sort of way. It just didn't fit. It just, I tried and others expected it of me, um, such as yelling at people and, and uh, being very forceful and, and getting people, motivate them by, by being a pain in the butt, you know, to them. And it's like, why? I, I never, it never felt right, and I didn't trust my instincts. And after Iraq, I learned that the style of leadership that I have, if I'd had any other, probably wouldn't be anywhere near as effective. Nowhere near as effective. And so I just encourage you to find your passion and find your, your what you love, because that is what is going to make matter the most. It's just going to matter the most. So, anyway, good luck. I wanted to qualify one thing is that um, some people are really, really good at certain things, but they don't like doing it. Um, <laughs> and, and that's okay. I, even if it's a gift that they have, that they are so good and better than other people, they'd rather be doing something else that they're not as good at, but it's their passion. They love doing it. I, I'd say the first criteria is you love doing it. I think um, I've been around people who hate coming to work each day. What kind of life is that? They say, well, I've got to earn a living. And I, I understand that there's certain times for the short term that may be just what you need to do. But if you're going to make a career of something and you haven't figured out what you love out of it, 
that's going to be an issue. So I hope that you're able to figure out what it is that you love doing and that you continue to improve what that is so that it makes your life and those around you uh, enjoy it. So I thought I'd qualify that. That's all for this episode 10, Juggling Schedules and Planes, of our podcast, What Really Helps, Bike Plus RV Plus Dog Equals 50 States. As always, we hope you learn something about helping others and about the thoughts, emotions, and challenges that we encountered on our journey. We'd love you to join us when we're back next week with episode 11, as we head to Atlanta to enjoy a few nights with classmates. Sean Feeney's family, and my daughter, Emily, to celebrate the holidays early. And we're met with a few more surprises that we'll talk about in the podcast. Then we leave Georgia to head west through Florida and Alabama once more on our way to reach Mississippi. So please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also find us on Facebook at Duty Honor America Tour. Our website is www.dutyonoramerica.com, which is where you can find our video montage of this week's photos, plus all the previous podcasts. Thanks for listening. Aloha. Aloha.